Welcome to the MadeCast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Chun. I'm Miles. I'm Anthony. And I'm Red. This week, our guest is none other than Jim Stormdancer, developer of Frog Fractions and Glitter Mitten Grove, and one of the uh, big meta gamers that we have, meta developers too. Uh, he's been a longtime supporter of The Maid and a former attendee of our co working environment that we had. Um, and they, they talk a little bit about their memories, their, fu- their fun. The fun memories of co-working at the maid space uh, when it was before we had to shudder. But before we get into this amazing conversation that these two these two have, uh, we have a, some short news to get into. So I believe Xbox has been doing well. Isn't that right? Yeah, Microsoft just released their quarter free uh, financial summary, and it. Turns out that I think Xbox is doing pretty good. They have about 32 to 34% of income growth just on Xbox contents and servers. It's pretty impressive, I have to say. Yes, I, I would agree. I think that that's pretty good. Um, I'm excited to see that. I mean, they've acquired Bethesda. They've like released the Series X. Uh, they got a lot going for them right now, hardware and stuff included. Not to mention the fact that everybody loves, everybody loves their controller and usually gets a gets one of those to game on their PC. Uh, although I am I am biased with my PS4 controllers, but we'll see. Even when I was playing PC games, I was using my controllers. Yes, same. I use my controller all the time, but I just yeah, I just use my PlayStation because. Because, don't ask questions. <laughs> I transitioned to uh, PC gaming pretty early on, so I never really picked up the hang. I, I never really learned the skills of playing with a controller, especially for first-person shooters. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll use it for. I'll use a controller for platformers when, like, the 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 joystick is very like useful. But otherwise, yes. I, I I just can't do it. Like, I'm keyboard and mouse. I can't. No, it's like. I understand. I am a, a similar way. Like I, I find it hard to get used. I can, I can manage a mouse just fine with my right hand, except also like having other inputs rather than left and right click is like throwing me off a little bit because like, oh yeah, I can use this to do other things, but mm-hmm. I can't. The dexterity in my fingers on my left hand doesn't equate itself well to a keyboard at this moment. Mm. So. But we all learn and we all grow, and I'll get back to you next week on any developments. But <laughs> in other news, we have uh, No Man's Sky has another big update called the Expeditions Update. Um, no, uh, I got to say, I really enjoy what they've been doing, uh, just nonstop large updates to the game uh, and not selling it as a DLC. They're just making the game more and more of what, what was initially promised, which I think is the the right thing to do, I gotta say, uh, they have probably had the best recovery of po- like poor reception at launch 
than that I've seen. They've they've really gone headstrong into really supporting their community and like giving the people what has been promised and making mm-hmm. it good. So this one, this new game mode, you start on a planet with a bunch of other people together. So you all start and then you can go and fly around with other people at the start of a game. And like you just are thrown into a random group of explorers that you get to get around and grow with. So I think that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as other gaming news, there's not a bunch except for my childhood dream game is is now new again on the Switch. Pokemon Snap. Oh, Pokemon Snap, April 30th, everybody. If there if there was ever a reason to buy a Switch, now, now, now is the reason to buy the Switch. Not Breath of the Wild, not any of the other amazing games. Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap is the one. Pokemon Snap. Let's, yes. let's give a round of snaps for that, everyone. Round of snaps. <laughs> I wonder if they have a selfie mode. <laughs> they they should. And honestly, I'm surprised that they haven't made Pokemon Snap a mobile game. But whatever, it'll we'll see yeah. how we'll see this how the success of this one will influence future endeavors into the Pokemon world. I mean, we already have Legends Arceus and the remaster of Diamond and Pearl coming out, which should be very, very cool and very fun. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully, <laughs> yes. But enough enough of this little news talk because I think it is time that we do throw it over to Mr. Mr. Jim's Storm Dancer and Mr. Alex Handy for their illustrious conversation on hidden ARG games that uh, Mr. Storm Dancer has done as well as what Frog Fractions and working and the co-working space at The Maid was like. So without further ado... Here is Alex talking with Jim Stormdancer. Hello, we are back and we have uh, Jim Stormdancer with us. How you doing, Jim? Hi, pretty good. Uh, Jim, you are one of the original co-workers at the museum and the creator of Frog Fractions. Do you want to maybe tell us how you got into game development and how you uh, created Frog Fractions? Uh, game development, I um, the first thing I did when I touched a Commodore 128, which my, my parents just gotten me because they saw that I was reading programming books in the school library. Uh, the first thing I did was make a, a math quiz game. Uh, and it was like three lines of code, maybe two actually, uh, and worked on the first try, which is a, which is a rarity (laughs) nowadays. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I'd been then that was like, I don't know, maybe I, I might have been 11 at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is Commodore basic, you know, just boot up the computer and type in. Yeah, yeah. Back when that. back when computers booted up to a programming interface. Yeah. And so you obviously had that computer for a little while then. Yeah, I, I, that was my that was my uh, only computer for for several years. Yeah. Did you have to write your own software? Did you have games or like, was there anything on there that inspired you? You know, I, it came with, we got it used and it came with boxes and boxes of discs, most of which I think were games. Uh, But what I didn't know was that 
there was a little switch that I had to flip to put the Commodore 128 into Commodore 64 mode to run most of the games. So I thought they were broken. Oh, oh that's uh, horrible. When did you find out that that was the problem? Oh, it was it was long after I'd moved on to the IBM PC. Uh, uh. But it's probably for the best, honestly, because I uh, spent that entire time programming instead. Ah, so uh, yes, uh, and a lot of programmers I have met have been sort of confined in their selection of software, and it led to them becoming inventive. Right. Uh, when you did move on to the PC, what are your what are your, some of your favorite memories of the, the PC? I I have very fond memories of the demo scene. Uh, mm-hmm. An uncle who was who was home from college brought me uh, uh, Unreal by Future Crew. And then the next year, Second Reality by Future Crew. And those were big uh, influences on me. And I remember uh, once I had access to the internet, finding everything I could about the demo scene and, and um, taking part in it where I could. I was never that good at it, but uh, but by the standards of the demo scene, I mean, and so but by... by the standards of like regular people out in the world, they were extremely impressed with what I was doing. That's uh, an interesting w- way to get into it. I mean, talk about writing the smallest possible program to make the biggest possible impression video and audio wise. Yeah, yeah, it's very fun. Do you still find that you have the skills that you developed there in your development these days? Are you concise? Uh, I am. I would say what I am in my development nowadays is more efficient with my time. <laughs> so I feel like I uh can so lately I've been focusing on game development uh and what I I feel one of the f- programming skills that I feel like I have over a lot of other game developers is that I can make something good enough very quickly. And so if mm-hmm. you're making a game like for example Frog Fractions that is made up of a dozen other mini games, it really uh, pays to be able to churn those out very rapidly and get them to, you know, maybe not uh, maybe not a polished enough state where you could ship them on their own, but good enough that they can live as a as a part of a larger piece. Um, uh, yeah. How did that help in uh, Glitter Mitten Grove? Oh, it was also an anthology of spoilers for Glitter Mitten Grove. Uh, that was also an anthology of of many different many different mini games. So, but yeah. I mean, they weren't all yours, though, right? Like you worked with other people on. I did, but uh, so there was, there were two collaborators, two two other programmer collaborators that I worked with on Glitterman Grove. Uh, for, Craig uh, handled the, um, the 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 eponymous Grove. He handled the 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 mm-hmm. treehouse building simulator that uh, that you see when you boot up the game. Uh, and we arranged our programming tasks such that we basically didn't have to uh, even talk to each other up until the ca- it came time to actually jam these two things into a single executable. Uh, and the other person who I worked with was essentially a game jam partner mm-hmm. uh, who worked on Chess Invaders, which was originally his idea. Uh, he was the only person who, uh, I'm trying to remember his name now. Anyway, <laughs> you, can, you can look it up on the Moby Games credits. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the other reason I bring up Glitter Mitten Grove is because it was obviously influenced by uh, it's the early PC games, right? Yes. So the um, the primary, like the... Uh, <laughs> it's, there's a lot of context required here to, for it to make sense. Uh, well, we, you, we, we have you, time. Yeah, yeah. Once you once you get past the Glitterman Grove Fairy Treehouse building sim, what um what you enter next is called Text World, which is inspired by games like ZZT, uh, and it's a dungeon crawler Zelda ish kind of a game where you run around. You're you're you are uh, a little smiley face. Uh, the entire world is rendered in the uh, IBM text mode character set. And so you run around as a smiley face interacting with different parts of the world. Uh, and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of this work in that it is kind of a, a send up of dungeon crawlers where I'm, I'm just, tr I'm trying to always do the most surprising thing mm. as, as part of the game design. I feel like that's kind of what, that's kind of my game design ethos where I've, uh, where most designers want to make a game that is as fun as possible. Like what I'm doing instead is trying to make a, a game that is as surprising as possible. Interesting. That's a, you know, immediately the two things that come to mind to me are sort of that Joss Whedon style of writing and, and uh, where he always takes the cliche and turns it on its head. Or uh, another one is the young ones. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the TV show, the young ones. That's pretty much exactly what they said they tried to do in that TV show. Yeah. Interesting. I have not seen that. It, well, it's a sort of show that has like puppets and giant declares falling from the sky and strange things happening all the time. Okay, right? like, sure, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's not unlike your game style, the sort of things that are happening. I mean, one of your mini games, I mean, we're just going to go ahead, I guess, spoil Littermitten all up and down in this podcast, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, I already, I already uh, gave the spoiler warning, so. Yeah, uh, but the uh, the alien roommate simulator, I particularly found interesting in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... um. That came from um, the idea of I had seen an animated Heath of that was sending up Alien versus Predator, and it was uh, I think the alien was in the shower, and then the Predator came up and flushed the toilet, and the alien screamed in annoyance, and it came from the idea of like, what if Alien versus Predator was a sitcom? Uh, and just, I mean, that the, the very premise of a video game being, you know, what, a sitcom, we haven't seen that kind of heady concept since the days of Super Nintendo and Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I, mechanically, I think I, I, um, I was thinking of Spy versus Spy, which is mm. doing, doing similar things where you're running around. It's, it's a two-player game for 8-bit yes. computers where you are running around leaving traps for each other. And I actually don't remember what the objective actually is. But well, I remember there, there's money hidden somewhere. So you have to check places, right? right. Like you have okay. to, not money. There's the, the plans, the, the, the secret documents, and they're randomly hidden somewhere in the, in the map. And that is why it behooves you to trap the map. And it is, it's, I've never seen a game that even remotely compares to that. I'm sure there are, but I can't think of any offhand. Yeah. And uh, then, the difference here is that you are running around sabotaging. So, so Todd is just studying for the bar. <laughs> he just wants to, 
He's, he just wants to pass the bar exam and you are trying to get him to move out without realizing that, uh, without realizing that you are deliberately sabotaging his life. So you have to be as subtle as possible about it, but also uh, the, he signs the new lease at 8 p.m. So you also have to be quick about it. <laughs> I, I, the variance uh, of your ideas for games is an extremely strong suit. I mean, all of your, all the stuff in Frog Fractions and Glitter, Mint and Grove seems to be uh, what I would say are game concepts that certainly would not survive long in a, a large budget studio brainstorming session. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. Uh, do you take pride in that? I mean, is that is do you do you actively seek to do that? I, I do. I I definitely want to make something that is worth playing, is interesting and worth playing. And I do think in this case, being uh, an indie developer, in my case, almost a solo developer, uh, is the, there is a huge advantage in that I don't need to get. Uh, a bunch of people on board with my idea to make it happen. Uh, and I, I definitely take advantage of that. Mm, indeed. Like you said, the, the rapid sort of pace, you're able to knock things up. Right. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the co-working at the museum. I mean, it's not happening anymore. Do you, do you miss it? I do. I miss it. There's a, um, there's a discord that spun up that, uh, that, that has tried to replace it, but it just doesn't, it's not the same. Yeah, I mean, there was a large group of folks that were sort of rotating in and out there and always had various projects. I always found it interesting to see, you know, the mingling of people like yourself who actually are shipping stuff and, and guys who sort of had like slow boil projects from that were going to go on for basically their entire lives. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and I, then they, those, those folks admitted that they wouldn't have any illusions or anything, I felt like. Right, right. And then there were just people who came in just to see what's up. And sometimes yeah. those are the most interesting ones. Yeah. Did you have any memories of the time that we had uh, of your time co-working at the museum? Uh, just off the top of my head, I remember uh, at one point somebody came in and I think was working on this project. I think, I think he brought the project to the, into the room where he was working on uh, uh, audio synthesis of a fart sound. <laughs> and <laughs> He had had, uh, oh, what's the what's the name of the 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 open source Max MSP clone that that you? Oh, I don't know. I can't. Oh, okay. He was using some serious audio tools, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He was using um, a a a program that's basically a modular synthesizer, but mm -hmm. kind of more with a more data analysis bent to it. But he was mm -hmm. he was definitely uh, using some. Yeah, for, for industrial strength tools to like to to simulate all the little impulses and the reverberations because he like he was thinking like well okay uh, usually when people fart they're sitting on the toilet so I'll have I'll have the reverb uh, characteristics of a toilet on this sound and that will really convey the idea of a fart into the sound. What was the end goal here? Was this for a development project or was this oh I, I I didn't ask <laughs> I just thought it was a. It's a, just a fantastic, you know, goal in itself. Yeah, I, 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 if I had forever, if I had infinite time, that would definitely be like, oh yeah, I would do that. I would. Well, I mean, somebody had to have done that for that game Booger Man, right? Like somebody had to like <laughs> encode stuff into the the uh, Sega Genesis. Well, that's the yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. 
I I was thinking like, well, that's probably a sample, right? But no, if it's a if it's a Genesis game, it probably used uh, no, FM samples. synthesis. Oh yeah, I mean, but there's also those things could record could use recorded samples. Even the NES could reproduce a sample. It just sounded like crap. Right, right. So yeah, like, that doesn't that doesn't hurt a fart sound. Right. And that, that's part of the fun of the project, though, is that like, well, obviously you could just fart into the microphone, <laughs> but but part of the fun of it is like coming to understand the characteristics of a fart noise well enough to be able to simulate it that in a way that's indistinguishable to the human ear. Then you then uh, you're really like you've really internalized the fart. It, li- well, it just lives in your brain. I, I mean, if you're going to really do this right, you need to have random generation of the sound effects. And, and I mean, they already do this for explosions, right? They do like seven or eight different explosion sounds and overlay them on top of each other. Sure, yeah. Like, you could do the same thing with, you know, flatulence. This is <laughs> this is now the fart podcast. Yes, this is indeed. Uh, well, I, this is kind of what I expect. <laughs> I don't want to say this is what I expected, but we, at least we're not talking about soup, right? <laughs> Do we, uh, we should soup. explain that. Enough yes. of tell us, soup. Tell our uh, listeners why you have an interesting relationship with soup. Oh, there is so much context here. There's so much to explain. Uh, so, this podcast about context. Yeah. Oh, all right. So the, the short version is, uh, I in order to promote my game, my upcoming game, Frog Fractions 2, I uh, ran an ARG. Uh, an al- alternate reality game. Alternate reality game. Yes, with the the idea being that, like, while I'm busy making this game, I will give people like interesting real world activities to do. Like, and you can go meet this bee man, and the bee man will give you a puzzle to solve. And and it's a puzzle that's designed to be hard enough that like probably any one person can't solve it. But if you like have the whole community work on it, probably one of them will will be able to do it. Um, and one of, uh, the major events in this ARG was, uh, was, uh, the reveal of video videos of, uh, Ben McGraw and I eating soup together. Yes. But I mean, there was a lot more lead up to this. This was a, oh yes, this was like ARG. multiple, it was like two years and it was two separate ARGs that turned out to be the same ARG that nobody knew, nobody knew about. And explain this. I mean, you hid stuff in other games. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in addition to the one with the B-Man in it, I, I was also running a ostensibly a second ARG that uh, took the form of I, I, I just happened to be friends with a bunch of indie developers, and I got like something like thirty of them to put the same symbol in their game. And the symbol would be attached to a puzzle that you would have to solve an arg, an arg difficulty puzzle. So, like, the idea was that like the community would find this, would realize that these sigils were in the game, and they would say, "Oh, this game has one. Let's all try to figure out the puzzle together." And it would have to be hard enough to support that sort of, um, that sort of dynamic. Uh, and when you solved the puzzle, you were presented with a uh, a piece of a map. Um, and you had to put all the map pieces together like a puzzle to, and and this was so, like the entire arc was building up to this map piece, uh, and the map piece, the 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 full map ended up being uh, a clue to solve a puzzle in this entirely separate ARG. 
Yes. But I mean, we need to point out here, when you say that they were in these 30 games, I mean, these are not small games. Like, can we name some of the games that have some of them were? But yeah, well, let, oh, yes, yes. Some of them, some of them were, but like, go ahead. Uh, but well, that, that, there was, uh, there was one in, in Kingdom of Loathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pull up. The, Where's your list? Yeah. Uh, yeah, was Firewatch I mean, one of them? I think Firewatch was one of them. Firewatch was one of them. Uh, so I, I, I just Googled Sigil ARG because <laughs> there is, if you want to read about this ARG or the or the um, Frog Fractions 2 ARG, they both have extensive documentation on the Game Detectives wiki. Yeah, a lot of ARGs do. I, I did an ARG years and years ago that actually had like documentation on this, like yeah. on those, those sites. They, they are ravenous. Uh, so, so there yeah, was one in Crypt, Crypt of the Necrodancer, <laughs> Mini Metro. <laughs> Wait, uh, is is the Necrodancer, is that like in all ports of Necrodancer? I know. I think it was just in the PC version because that in that case, it was a, a file that that uh, was in the file that got slipped into the into the direct install into the <laughs> installation directory. <laughs> You're just hiding it in installation directories. Right. You're like, so what, how did that happen? You're like, oh, we don't have time to integrate it in the game. You're like, fine, just stick it in your install directory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, well, you know, it came up with a puzzle that it could just that could just be a file. <laughs> That's great. Good. Keep going. More names. More names. Uh, there was well, there was one in Quop, uh, but just oh. the just the iPhone port. <laughs> and if I remember Man, right, Cody. the <laughs> the way that worked is that um, uh, you had to turn your phone upside down so that your player would fall into the sky. <laughs> that is great. That is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. give, we, we're almost done here, but keep going. Keep going. Uh, there was one in read-only memories. It's uh, <laughs> a great game. Duskers. Quadrilog- oh, I love Duskers. Oh, Duskers, the guy, Duskers is really good. What's the name of that surly Boston guy did Duskers? I love him. Uh, Tim Keenan? Yeah, I think, yeah, Tim. Tim's awesome. I love Tim. Yeah. That, that's great. a great game. Yeah. Uh, and, and Quadrilateral Cowboy, which is a game I always have difficulty pronouncing. <laughs> yes. No, that, uh, another, I mean, this is like a who's who of the indie games that were released. What, what is this? 2016, 2017, something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a very prestigious list. Most of these games were more successful than mine. Uh, <laughs> Quadrilateral Cowboy, the puzzle in that one, actually, you had to, it was an open source game and you actually had to go to the source code and debug it to solve the puzzle. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, of course, it's a game about hacking, so that would I would expect no less. Right. Uh, all right, Jim. Unfortunately, that's the end of our time together, but I'll have you on again. We're going to have to have you on again when we discuss like more yeah, of uh, course. philosophical uh, concepts. And thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Storm Dancer and Alex for that lovely uh Lovely talk of a flat, flatus, if you will. Um, uh, well, flatus synthesis. Um, it's it's an important concept that us as um, audio developers need to be aware of, and you know, to really put thought into the sound that we want to create in the games. Uh, we always record weird sounds that people never realize where it's come from. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, like just the like hearing about the the reverb requirements on creating a fart synthesis and then like actually having to, it's like, Oh, well most people fart on the toilet. So you have to have the specific toilet reverb put on that sound to really make people understand that this is in fact a fart. 
Um, so yeah, it, it's, you know, it, I know it's super highbrow and, you know, very detailed and, you know, very serious work involved with sound synthesis, uh, synthesis, if you will. Uh, but someone has to do it. Someone has to trailblaze. And that's just the kind of things that happened over at the co-working space at The Maid. Lends itself to great environments and great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. And just also the talk about how, how ARGs, like uh, alternate reality games and how they go into it. I, I've never been, I've never really been much aware of them. And now just hearing this, I'm like, this is, this is some next level gaming that I am like, I am like, I'll have to see if there's other hidden stuff in other games now, just constantly peeling through everything to see if there's something secret because mm-hmm. hiding a game inside of glitter mitten grove, that's a sequel to another game it it's it's mind-blowing it's mind-blowing and thank you very much for joining in but as of now the interview is over and i need to ask y'all what have you been playing what's been going on starting last week i started playing through hollow knight for the first time oh ooh. um and and I think it's fantastic. I've already put like 40 hours into it. Um, okay. You know, I'm playing it, I'm streaming it uh, to a friend of mine who has basically become an expert speedrunner at it. Oh. Um, so is 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 40 hours um, up there in the time or? That's, it's way up there. There's, <laughs> there's an achievement in the game to beat it in five hours. Uh, wow. Which means that for a speedrunner, you can do it in like a tenth of that time, maybe. I don't know. Um, Interesting. But Interesting. no, it's it's incredibly solid. Like the mechanics are super tight. Uh, the the art is just like gorgeous and, and everything's just adorable and disturbing and wants to eat you and it's weird. Yes. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, but no, it's really fun. It is extremely frustrating at times. Um, yes, you know, it's a, it's one of those Metroidvania style platformers and it's, uh, kind Isn't of unrelenting a- and it's not holding your hand. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've seen short playthroughs. I haven't watched the entire playthrough or played it myself, but as far as I'm aware of the mechanics, it's just a jump and a, and a swing of the sword. Correct. There's, There's not, you get more than that, but yeah. Oh, okay. you unlock a few more abilities when you oh. defeat some bosses and you can decide it's like a dodge roll. Yeah, okay. you can do you can decide on your own when to defeat which boss or to go to where first to get what first. Mm. That's all that elements you have to decide again. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's that's good news. I've all, Anthony, what have you been playing? If uh, it's not Ghost of Tsushima, what is it? <laughs> it's um Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think I mentioned that before, but um, yeah, uh, fantastic, fantastic um, sort of action uh, platformer involving our favorite Lara Croft. Yes. Did you you ever play the Uncharted series? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've played through all of them, pretty much, including Golden Abyss and Lost Legacy. Ooh. Ooh. 
super fan over here. So my question about the like the new Shadow of the Tomb Raider is how does it compare to is it is it like of the same vein of the newer Uncharted, which was like a a different adaptation of the original Tomb Raiders, you know? Oh yeah, they took tons of inspiration from the Uncharted series. Um okay. Stemming down from the whole sort of uh, story plot beats, um, oh, how they introduced okay. the plot, um, and and it's evident. There's evidence of that um, in uh, Laura's costumes. There's one costume mm-hmm. um, where she looks. She's wearing the exact same outfit as Nathan Drake. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, so. Now, my question is, is like, who did the, like, who is the developer of this Shadow of the Tomb Raider? Was it Naughty Dog? I don't, like. Um, I think the it was Crystal Dynamics, right? Yeah. Oh, Crystal yeah, Dynamics, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that uh, Square Enix uh, published off the top. I may be wrong, or, mm-hmm. but they're involved too. Oh, fan, fantastic. Or Eidos, Montreal. Eidos, yeah, there we go. Eidos, interesting. But they did a, like, the game looks amazing. Uh, I got, It's one of the most beautiful kind of, like, Tomb Raiders that I've seen. So it's very, very awesome. Well, I've, I've still been playing Final Fantasy 15. I am, I've got almost seven, like, 65 hours. And almost level 75. How uh, far are you from... The end of the game. I chapter nine of fourteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. But a, a friend of mine told me to do like explore as much as possible in the open world before you start going down because uh, in the later chapters apparently it, you get locked out of the free world and like open world aspect. I'm really enjoying it right now. It's super fun. The camera can get kind of messy when you're in close quarters or fighting different enemies. I wish it would like zoom out a little bit. That would be helpful. But it's very gorgeous. It's very fun. And I I think I might be fighting a mountain in a upcoming mission. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> I mean I know what I'm gonna be fighting, but I gotta I gotta give some uh some secrets. Leave some secrets for people to discover. But I think that is about all the time we have for today. I want to thank everybody for... Thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, shoot us an email at info at themade.org. We'd like to send a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep The Maid afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on the major streaming services, and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. Till then, I'm Anthony. I'm Miles. I'm Chen. And I'm Red. And we will see you next time. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Later, gamers. That's epic. My apologies. That should be the ending tag all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fatality.